You're listening to the On Call Thoughts podcast, where medical students talk about mental health, work-life balance, medical specialties, and much, much more. and welcome. Thanks so much for listening. Today we've got a very special episode made just for our first year medical students, the MD2024s at the University of Ottawa. It is also applicable to any other first year medical students or pre-meds and whoever is interested. We'll basically be talking about um, how our first year of medical school was, giving advice on different things and answering some of your questions that the MD2024 is actually submitted to us. So some of the topics that we are going to cover in today's episode are getting settled into medical school, how we dealt with the big life changes. We're also going to be talking about wellness and everything that has to do with work-life balance, how we all did it personally. We're also going to be talking about studying or studying habits, um, getting adjusted to the workload of medical school and so forth. Um, so without further ado, we'll jump into the episode. In today's episode, Aaron, Zina, Sharif, and Yu Chen, your on-call thoughts podcast hosts, are humbled to explore the wonderful and sometimes terrifying journey of first-year medical school. Let us take your hands and begin these first steps together. But before we begin, a lot of you have sent us awesome questions through our Google Forms, and we decided to answer them through the episode, and we will give you warning before we answer them. So the first question or topic covers the idea of getting settled. So the first question we have is, if you guys could do the whole resettling in Ottawa and getting started in medical school, how would you do it differently? I'm going to put someone under the bus and <laughs> you, Chen. Okay. Um, I think uh, it's obviously very different this year, getting settled. And, um, you know, we can't you know, maybe go out and have one last dinner or uh, lunch with your family before, um, before not seeing them until Thanksgiving. And so things are a little bit different, but I think having your parents there and maybe um, a few close people to help you get settled and then, um, you know, bringing some stuff that's very close to your heart that reminds you of your, your family and friends. It's, it's good for the, for the journey that you'll be going on the next few months and the next few years. And then, um, it's always, I think, you know, good to keep an open, uh, open mind and heart. Uh, meeting your new roommates and housemates, and you might know them already. I know many friends that uh, sort of went with um, undergrad friends or previous friends, but uh, it's also great to meet new people. And uh, I was, I was very fortunate mm-hmm. to meet great roommates, and uh, we actually have a pet. We have a pet dog in our oh. house as well. So, um, and. Uh, he actually has his own room, so he's in a way sort of a roommate as well. And um, he, uh, your yeah, dog name... has... he has his own room. That's so exactly. Cool. Yeah. No. We uh, there's three bedrooms upstairs, and it's me in one room, and then there's uh, there's two people in the, in the master room, and then the dog is right next to me. So we wake up at the same time every day, and we do our so bathroom funny. routine. Unreal. And he goes out for a walk, and I I keep sleeping, or you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's been really nice. So I think, um, yeah, those are the some few things I would I would say about getting settled. And uh, of course, there's many challenges. And uh, but I'm curious to hear maybe some of the experiences of my colleagues. Uh, I could take a jab at this one, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
I, I ended up settling pretty late, uh, like pretty close. I think right before we had orientation week. And mm-hmm. I guess my advice would be like, although settling is settling in is like a whole thing and it's really stressful, but like try to get out and go to those events and try to do as much social stuff as you can. Cause like you can't, well, you kind of get two opportunities, but it, it's a, it's very meaningful. And I feel like it's very enjoyable to do that stuff. And, I'll help you de-stress from move again. I guess that's my advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zena, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I would just echo what Aaron said. I moved in a couple of days before orientation started, so I was pretty relaxed. I mean, my mom did it in like within two days. So it was nice. And then I guess just got to hang out with her a little bit in Ottawa. And yeah, it was nice. Two days, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we worked like the entire two days. We were so tired after. It's probably good to uh, to scout out the IKEA ahead of time, and I'm sure you'll be, <laughs> oh, be doing sure. lots of uh, trips there and uh, bring bring a couple tools um, so you can assemble all um, the yeah. all the fun. Yeah, yeah. A really good point. Since we were on the topic of O week a little bit, should we move on to our next question? Our next question is, what was your favorite moment in orientation week and what advice would you give to MD 2024 during their O week? I'm sorry, I can take a jab at it. (laughs) So uh, my favorite moment in orientation week was, uh, it was one of the social events. I know that because of COVID, it may be differently for you this year, but we had a stand-up comedy night. And I feel that... Mm -hmm that was one of the nights that I got the closest to my housemates. And uh, that was really nice because I feel like that took our relationship in the house to the, to a different level. And I really consider them some of my closest friends. Uh, But in terms of making the most out of your O week in general, I think it's really important that even if you're not someone that's usually extroverted, try to challenge yourself and be, open to making new friends because especially now with COVID uh, a week is a time where everyone's focused on the social aspect. And after that, realistically, the only people that you're going to be seeing frequently, not, not exclusively, but are the ones that you connected with during a week and have their contact information. So you can go on a bike ride together, a workout together, socially distance hangout and so forth. So really try to make the most out of this beginning phase of school and connect with as many people as you can to see who who you relate to and different things and different priorities and so forth, hobbies that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Sharif. And, um, and I guess just answering uh, the question, uh, my favorite um, or- orientation week activity is, uh, it's, has, ha- has happened already this year, I think, um, Zina and Sharif and I were part of uh, organizing a, a coffee night house with, or a talent show for, for the MD2024s and other years as yeah. well. And that was a great way to to meet your classmates, but also, you know, learn something about them and something they're good at. And I think it, it takes a lot of courage mm-hmm. to share something that, uh, you know, isn't medicine or isn't uh, is, is a talent of yours. So that was really great to see everyone come out and a uh, great event put on by the hosts. Yeah, I loved that event too. I think it's probably one of my favorite nights from O Week as well. I 
got to see like you know all the art and, and talents that people had it was so nice because you get to see how brilliant your classmates are so i agree with you chen i'd say that was my favorite night okay so right. coming on to our next question the uh Moving forward chronologically, actually, what were the first two weeks of school like for you and what tips would you give for MD2024s to settle in? I think a lot of it ties into that first factor of the friends that you make because that's an important thing, I find. Your social life is part of your wellness dimensions. But the other thing, too, is we all had like our hobbies set up, the things we did back home or where you did your undergrad and so forth, the clubs you were involved with and so forth that you did for you to invest in yourself. I think it's really important that you try to find that as soon as you can so that you put yourself in a position where you can excel at the program and make the most out of your life. So for me, that was founding a triathlon group where I could train with other people that were into biking, swimming, and running too, finding a close mm -hmm. group of friends, and we had like our Taco Tuesday dinner nights and so mm -hmm. forth. So I think like... Mm -hmm. The first thing you got to do is put in place the resources that help you grow and maintain your wellness so that you can do the other things in your life even better. Yeah, I think that the first two weeks is kind of a little bit overwhelming because things are a little bit all over the place. You know, you're, you're doing classes and then you, there's also like a week events in the evenings and you're not really like settled into a routine quite yet so I remember just being a little bit overwhelmed and wanting to get into a routine as soon as possible but I also agree with Sharif that um, I mean you only have like 24 hours in a day and you should prioritize things that are meaningful to you so whether that's socializing or reading a book or whatever but just making sure that every day you, you set aside some time to do something for yourself and like mm -hmm. make that part of your routine um, once you start finding one. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with you guys. Um, I just remember like the first two weeks for me, I just kept on like getting anxious that we were going to get tested on this material. Um, <laughs> and then they, they, professionalism. Yeah. And then, and then they finally sent us an email. I think maybe like, maybe right when we finished, like, Oh yeah, by the way, we're not actually going to get tested on this. But anyways, yeah, I think Tamir, what a uh, Sharif and, as you know, we're saying is yeah, routine is a uh, is pretty important. I think it's it's good to try to get prepared and try to think about what your schedule is going to be and what your your approach is going to be to you know to handle the schoolwork and to handle things going forward. I feel like that's a good approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree, and I think like Zena said, like um, the first two weeks are very busy and very jam packed. So if the routine doesn't come right away, I think there's nothing to be worried about, and. Uh, you know, it's it's a big transition for everyone, and it's important to to uh, you know stay healthy and uh, keep positive about everything. And the routine will come, you know, mm -hmm. eventually. And uh, it took every, all of us, you know, different ways and different amounts of time to settle mm -hmm. in. So um, nothing to worry about if you feel like you're you're a little bit all over the place the first two weeks. And I know I remember as soon as I. I think subscribed to the interest group emails and it was like everything was all coming in through email at the same time and it just felt like a lot <laughs> but um you eventually know how to deal with it and uh i think yeah. um 
Uh, I touched a little bit on the first question, but I was wondering uh, maybe how you guys uh, dealt with being away from friends and family, and I guess especially for our incoming students in, in the COVID era, it's uh, probably even more important these days. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear what you think, Yuchen, because I believe you're the one that lives furthest from home in Ottawa, right? That's right, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm from Windsor originally, and um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, just... Um, me and my parents have uh, a lot of similar interests as well. So, you know, just uh, calling them and uh, staying updated. And uh, I think these days you, you, you sort of almost can't use the, you know, technology isn't my thing uh, excuse anymore because it's, uh, it's very important. It's one of our only ways to stay in touch these days and stay safe. And uh, yeah, it's um, call my parents every so often and my friends as well. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to add as well. Yeah, this was my first time living away from home. I commuted in undergrad, so okay. I stayed home then. But this is my first time being away from friends and family, and it was okay for the most part. I was, I turned out pretty all right being independent, but it was a challenge. <laughs> like it was also challenging in a way, in terms of like I was used to my mom helping out a lot with like house chores and stuff like that. But um, I just tried to keep, uh, you know, FaceTime at least once a week. I really made an effort to to like reach out to my friends every now and then, like once a week at least, because I I knew everyone was busy and I was certainly busy. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, I couldn't talk to them as often, but I did make it a point to at least send them just like a Snapchat video of me walking to class, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, and like saying hi. Yeah, I would just do, do it in between things as I was walking to class, when I was, you know, taking a break from studying, whatever it was. And then that would just start a conversation and we get to catch up a little bit. But yeah, that's how I kind of dealt with um, missing friends and family. Yeah, I feel like that's a great way. Maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or like doing the dishes and you just yeah. call your mom and then you just chat yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it, it, it's really hard to, uh, especially like I, I, I was in the same boat as you, Zena. So yeah, I was yeah. commuting in undergrad and, you know, being away from friends and family and moving to a new city is very difficult for sure. It's not an easy transition. And like, I guess, you know, it's really important to stay in touch. And that definitely helps, I think, as you know. Think. Yeah. Mirroring, like echoing a lot of what you said also first time out of the house. Uh, you guys put it perfectly. This one's a really good one. I'm curious what you guys have to say. What aspect of medical school took you the longest to figure out? (laughs) I think for me, right off the top of my head, I would say that being comfortable with not knowing everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It took me a long time to figure that out because I'm sure like all of you guys and back in undergrad, you were able to, know an entire course's content before an exam and go in there and you're like, you know, I got this, mm-hmm. but it's totally different in med school because there's just the volume of information is just 10 times more. And it's just not possible to know everything going into an exam. And I, and that's obviously why they call it lifelong learning. So I learned yeah. that, mm-hmm. Oh, that is true. <laughs> medical school and like the medical profession is all about lifelong learning because you'll 
there's no way you can learn it all now. You're going to have to review it constantly and keep learning throughout your life. And it took me a while to shift that mindset of mine from like, I need to know everything to like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to learn things that are clinically relevant and things that interest me and because I can't know it all. So mm-hmm. that was hard, but sure. I'm still working on it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? I think I, I agree with a lot of it. I think um, I also, I came from sort of a different background. I did music from my undergrad. Oh, yeah. So many things the were... The violinist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. So, you know, everything was sort of um, new and uh, very fascinating to me. So, I think just from a curiosity standpoint, I was I was trying to learn everything, but then you know I quickly figured out that uh, you know it's just like um, just like music. Sometimes you know you can't uh, get everything down on your first try or even on your tenth try. Um, so you have to you have to be okay with that. And uh, you know it's a lot of this stuff is things that you'll continue to revisit in clerkship and in residency. So it's um, you'll become more familiar with it eventually. And um, this is sort of maybe just the first exposure that you want to get the basics down and, uh, and then, you know, you can move on to other things and also make sure, you know, you're doing the things that you love. And so I, I try to keep playing the violin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So for me, it was just also realizing that what am I studying for now? So in undergrad, I felt this mm-hmm. pressure to that. Like I knew I wanted medical school mm-hmm. and I knew that meant having to get as high a, a grades that I could. But now in medicine, yeah. I just found that it took me it took me a while. But once I figured it out, I was so much more at peace with the idea that why would I memorize something that I could easily look up in the in like day of age we are in, where you could quickly Google things. I was like, if there's mm-hmm. something that is just strict memory that I could look up easily, I won't necessarily study that. I would rather contribute to like my overall wellness and go to social events and exercise and so forth, Mm -hmm. then spend time memorizing that stuff. Because at the end of the day, you're in medicine with the goal of helping as many patients as you can. And I don't think like for me, my rule of of thumb is if I can look it up in under five seconds, I'm not going to study it. Uh I like that. That's a good model. I think for me, I think I had the same thing. There's two things. So there was that. There was like this idea that if I didn't know something, I'm going to fail a future patient. I'm going to be a terrible doctor. So there was that. And yeah, that's that's definitely, you have to come to grips with that aspect. Like there's so much out there. It's impossible to know everything. And you just got to pick and choose and you got to do that smartly. And the other thing that I, I was having trouble with, and I think a lot of other people do as well, and I think we're touching on this is the whole work-life balance situation because I think mm-hmm. you know once we hit medical school I guess the the amount of work is a lot different from undergrad at least from my own experience right so and I still I, I, I honestly still have trouble with this and it's trying to you know I don't know if there's a balance it's just you have to remember that you need to have a life outside of studying outside of medical school right you need a you need to um, hang out with with friends. You got you got to get out, and it, you, your life just can't be that. Otherwise, I just feel like you can't function, right? And that's like something I'm s- trying to like slowly force into my daily life, like ensuring like you know if I'm getting tired, not to push on, but to actually take a break. So I feel like you know at the end of the day, 
the marathon. I think I might be going into our next section, but I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah. Well, these are these are broken down. Before we like, I I like that you touched on wellness because that's a big factor, and I think we're going to talk about that a lot. Uh, there's a really good question pertaining to uh, starting medical school, like the beginning. So uh, what did you wish you did less of? And conversely, what do you wish you did more of and why in medical school? Less laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds funny. Well, first off, thanks to the person who submitted the question, but it sounds funny. I totally agree. Aaron, like at first growing up in my house, like my mom was a clean freak and everything was always clean. So when I was living here with housemates and everyone's on different schedules and stuff like that, it be, I was trying to clean all the time because <laughs> I thought I had to. And then I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm just cleaning 24 seven. And it's like going into my study time. So then I started to like slowly let go yeah. <laughs> of things. Otherwise you could just be cleaning all the time because when you live with like three, four other people, yeah. there's always going to be like a little bit of a mess in the kitchen or whatever. So I had to learn to let go a little bit and not be such a clean freak. So I wish I did less of that in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just like remember spending like my entire Sundays, like cooking and cleaning. And yeah. Take up the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> for me it's kind of the opposite. Like what do I wish I did more of? <laughs> I wish I did more cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> now That's now the listeners funny. are gonna be like, Oh boy, what kind of person is Sheree? Yeah. But uh <laughs> I don't know, like I felt like towards like the big things like after a midterm, after an exam, I'd have like so much to do around the house. Because it, mm-hmm. it's, like, easy for me to put uh, that apart. What do I wish I did less of? Uh, so, you can kind of touched on this. And you're going to see within the next few weeks that you are going to get a ton of emails. And once you're in medical school, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for you to get involved. And you're going to feel this pressure because, yeah, you just started medical school and you thought, oh, it's over. Like, I made it in. But you hear the word CARMS and then all of a sudden you're, you look at what's next. That's... That's how we are mm-hmm. medical students. Like we always want more. We're thinking of what's next. And uh, people think of CARMS and wanting to have the best possible resume that they can for when they apply for residency. And then you see all these emails offering opportunities. Just the thing I would have changed is just there were some things that I knew I wasn't that interested in, but I saw other people sign up for them. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe I should go. And yeah. looking back at it, Overall, it, it didn't affect me that much. Maybe you can say that it confirmed that I didn't want those specialties or wasn't interested in those topics. But looking back at those were hours that like the opportunity cost could have been me doing other things that I really enjoy. So that's what I would change and do less of and more more cleaning. I'm doing well so far. <laughs> doing well so far this yeah. year. Yeah, I would agree with you, actually, um, when you bring up the point of you would do less of like, it was the same thing for me. I felt like sometimes I was spreading myself too thin because you're kind of eager to get involved and you want to try everything out. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up signing up for too many things. And like you said, like I wasn't actually interested in all of them, but because of the hype around these events or whatever it was, I felt like I should sign up too. So I would say 
just be a little bit careful. Be a little bit picky with what how you choose to spend your time because um, you have a lot of things to do now, and um, you definitely want to be using your time yeah. wisely. Yeah, it's so true. I think like I feel like at the end of the day, like you should only do the things that you really you really like or you really interested in, right? If if, if yeah. like, you're signing up because you see everyone else is signing up, like you know, if you have time, then like yeah, go ahead. But like we only have a limited amount of time right mm-hmm. i think that's and then i guess we have to uh, touch on the other half of the question uh what do we wish we we did more i think i can take uh take a jab at the question i think um maybe something i wish i did more was maybe explore the city of ottawa i think um it's a great city and sometimes people don't give it enough credit because they haven't, I think, really even, you know, been to some of the amazing spots, whether it's in the nature, hiking or lots of the museums that there is to offer here. And um, that's something I wish I did more of, which I think will leave, lead ne- good uh, well into the next question about uh, about what our wellness. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I'm curious to hear about you guys as well. Yeah. Uh, so... Like you said, let's let's move into Q and A uh, to wellness, and we'll start with a Q and A question. Actually, so how did you keep up with your favorite hobbies? It's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Ties into yeah. like how you how you wanted to what you wish you did more of. So maybe how you did do that, but how you could have done more of it, since this is related to wellness as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, one of the hobbies I was trying to keep up during med school was... I'm going to guess languages. Is it languages? <laughs> no, actually. Oh, that, that, yeah, that happened over the quarantine summer. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was just, I guess, in general, be like being active, but mostly like dancing and stuff. And um, nice. yeah, I it was something that I realized I had to because I, I realized I was always making excuses to not um, work out or dance or something because you were always, there was always something to do So true. And for school wise. Yeah. So I would end up putting it off all the time, especially around exams. And then what I tried doing is just almost forcing myself and then working the rest of my day around that. So you kind of have to like make time for the things that you enjoy Otherwise, if you're trying to like, if you're like, oh, I'll finish these things first and then I'll do that. I feel like it's harder to actually enjoy that hobby of yours. So for me, it became like, okay, after class, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to like dance in the studio. And then that's awesome. Whatever happens, happens. Like if I don't get to study today, that's okay. At least I <laughs> prioritize this thing that I love doing. So mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. I, I did that. Yeah, I vibe with that so hard because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that if you want to go far, say in the medical field, you have to invest yourself. And I'm sure the MD 2024 is going to be sick and tired because I literally just recorded uh, in their wellness panel. I kept saying, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. But if you want to go far, you need to make sure that you get your hobbies in. So the way I look at it is it's totally okay to... Uh, it's totally okay to make sure that you get your hobbies. Like Zena was saying, sometimes even prioritize those because for me, I find that if I'm not doing my hobbies, my like 
productivity in terms of studying goes down so much because I just don't feel fulfillment and satisfaction in my life versus when I'm doing all the things I love. There's this, I wake up and there's this different energy that I have and that helps me be more productive with studying. So almost like Zena said, like I would prioritize those and I think the mm-hmm. studying comes yeah. and yeah. like the other things. The rest falls into place. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I still went and, and when the times get, sorry, Aaron, uh, oh. I just, I just want to say that like sometimes it's not as easy as like, Oh, I'll just focus on this today and not study. There are times where sometimes I'd wake up and uh, I'd go work out at say 5am or 6am. And I have some of my peers that did that. I don't want to scare you and make you think that that's the only time that you'll work out, but there are fluctuations obviously around midterms and exams where you're tighter on time and there are ways around it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And like, just like to, to, to echo uh, Sharice words, it's like there, there are definitely times last year where I didn't really engage in my hobbies. I wasn't exercising. And then I started it up again and I felt so much better. I was like, man, I, I didn't know what I was missing. Like my mood would just mm-hmm. suck when I was doing it. And you don't really appreciate it until you kind of get back into it. So it's like, you got to be careful because I feel like it, it creeps up on you, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I would just add one more thing. I also noticed something that worked well for me was um, holding myself accountable through like friends so I, I would mm. make plans with my friends to do the things that I want to do. So I would be like, if I wanted to work out, we'd promise each other we'd go in the morning. And then having someone there who's also going to do it with you kind of makes you like, like you have to do it at that point. So yeah, <laughs> that helps sure. too. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is you can combine like different parts of your life. So in terms of making hobbies work out. So for example, you can combine like the so- social aspect of your life with your uh, physical wellness. So yeah. for example, tying into the next question, someone's like, can med students make gains? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that. And yeah. there's an emoji of the uh, bicep pump, but <laughs> can med student make gains? Absolutely, like, like we said, I have a friend at McGill Medical School, full-time medical training, and he has his own powerlifting Instagram. He has a combo of like squat deadlift bench of over like 1,300 pounds. Uh, so you can definitely make it. My housemates, uh, are always at the gym. We go every day. And it's also like, like I said, you can combine it with other parts of your life. For me, it's not just working out. It's also a social hangout because we all Mm -hmm. go together. We walk there together. We walk back together and so forth. So you, you just, you can make things still work out, but maybe you have to get more efficient at them. And I still don't think that Mm -hmm. comes with a uh a sacrifice at least this far in my training Mm -hmm. because i still play video games with my housemates maybe we do it less and we're more efficient with it we don't just play (laughs) fifa all night we have (laughs) for example we had like a house league where we're we're three people in the house where each day you play each housemate so you play a total of two (laughs) games per day and then we had like a running league and we'd cap it a set number of games and then Whoever loses does the dishes for first place and so forth. <laughs> I really think you can make it work. Like based on my experience, you can get the gains and do your favorite hobbies. Yeah. 
So, uh, so, so, is the moral of the story here is get good at FIFA? Honestly, <laughs> I'm sure if someone ran a study on it, you would find a correlation between being good at FIFA and fulfillment in life. <laughs> because I can tell you that I feel way better when I win than I do when I lose <laughs> at FIFA. I'm sure you do because you don't have to do the dishes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and we already discussed how I feel about uh, clean, <laughs> cleaning activities in general. Should we, uh, I guess we'll move on to the next Q&A question that we got sure. uh, in the wellness category. So since I didn't live next to RGN, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, what are the <laughs> things to do within busing and biking distance from RGN? Oh, I've been discovering this lately. Uh, so you could basically do almost everything within biking distance in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Ottawa is yeah. super bike friendly. Uh, as a cyclist, I've, I've, I've never biked in a city that's so like the bike paths can take you everywhere. Today I made it from R yesterday, sorry. I went from RGN to parliament in around 15 minutes on nothing but bike paths. Like I didn't bike on any streets uh -huh. so felt fully safe and that ride involved like being right on the canal to being right under parliament on the rideau river so it was very scenic and beautiful and you can basically go anywhere on your bike uh but in terms of tourist attractions so we we've discussed that you can basically go anywhere with your bus or bike but i guess the rest of the question is what are the attractions in ottawa to do around rgn yeah, I think um, I think it's a little bit tough because RGN is sort of um, maybe um, a little bit more secluded part of Ottawa, not sort of with the main cam campus of University of Ottawa. So, um, but uh, that being said, like Sharif said, uh, we are only with within fifteen minutes biking, and then with the new, I think it's called O Train or O Line. Uh, that's really yeah. easy uh, to connect you downtown and. Um, Personally, I'm a big uh, museums and uh, art gallery type of guy, so I think Ottawa has a um, ton of museums. The arts and medicine in him's coming out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, obviously, National Art Gallery is a great place to go, and um, whether you go with friends or with the arts and medicine group, and uh, it's free on Thursday evenings always, so it's you know you can go and see oh, yeah. just one section one, one night and then go the next week and see a different section, and uh, we have a great war museum, and so stuff like that I really love doing, and uh, it's, it's nice to sort of get out of the RGN, TOH, and CHEO bubble and uh, go explore some of Ottawa downtown as well. You, Chen is such a classy guy. I know. I know. <laughs> like the classiest guy I've, I've ever met. Yeah. I, I can only imagine the days Yu Chen goes on. And yeah. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, yeah. James Bond you gotta scene step, right there. Yeah, you got to step your game. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Amazing. I'm curious to hear about what, uh, what what are some things you guys like to do in Ottawa. Or maybe some of the stuff uh, to eat or to... That, that's something I'm interested in. I actually went on... Uh, Last year, it was my mission for that year to sample almost every pizza place around uh, Ottawa. Wow. And I, I have a running list uh, of pizza places. I don't know if that's like top secret and I should let the listeners go through it. <laughs> I can throw out names in no particular order just to get people going. Okay. Pizza. We're not sponsored, but by the way. We, we are not sponsored. <laughs> we would accept my, my stomach, maybe. We, we would. We would accept one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 
Cruston Crate, which is Lansdowne, right by the theater. So great if you're going to the movies and needs dinner before or after. That's a good one. Tennessee Willems, great, uh, more like romantic vibe. Uh, uh-huh, okay. And more chill, yeah, <laughs> for those of you looking for dates. And then another one that I will give is Deep Dish Pizza at, oh, I'm blanking out, Colonnade, Colonnade Pizza. So those are, those are three. The other the others, I think you need to go discover on your own. Mm-hmm. But the restaurant scene in general in Ottawa is really nice. Like Elgin Street area, Lansdowne, sure, uh, yeah. Tavern on the Hill, of mm-hmm. course. I'm sure the seen a lot of ND 2024s go there. And Shawarma. Shawarma yeah. Palace yeah. is gone. Also, not <laughs> sponsored, but if Shawarma Palace sponsors us, I will never say no to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Zena, I'm curious what you and I feel like everyone in this, uh, like the hosts on the show are very different. So I'm curious to see what you guys find Super attractive. Yeah. Well, uh, something I discovered recently and I picked up over the summer was I started playing tennis a lot. Nice. And there's actually a tennis court super close to us. It's walking distance from RGN. It's just on Smythe Road. You do need to just donate um, so that you can have access to it because it's it's uh, by donation. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. a really nice court. There's four courts there, and yeah, it's really sweet. If you ever want to like check that out, so that's the that's a little hidden that's gem I would share with you guys. <laughs> nice. What's your favorite restaurant in Ottawa? Oh gosh, I don't. I'm not like a. Ma- I like food. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not like a major major foodie. I really like That's Thai fair. food. I've had good Thai food here before. If anyone wants recommendations for that, I got two really good restaurants, but the names are slipping my mind right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Chen, before we go to Aaron, what's your favorite restaurant? My favorite restaurant. Um... I went to a, a restaurant, I, I think, downtown across from the National Arts Center. It's called Bechtas. It was a little bit pricey, but uh, it was a very... Um, Classy guy. Very Classy fine. Yeah, guy. always. <laughs> fine dining. It was a very nice dining experience, and uh, I think I just splurged <laughs> that one time. But um, I think it's important. You can treat yourself after yeah. a midterm, an exam, or, sure. or celebrate you know, an occasion or something. But uh, yeah, I agree. There's lots of amazing places to eat in Ottawa and uh, you know right now you might have to go on the patio or lo- or just get takeout but uh, great to support our, our local businesses for sure. Erin mm-hmm. hmm. first what's your favorite restaurant and then uh, what what have you discovered in Ottawa that's near RGN and cool to do? Okay so in terms of I didn't eat out much I'm going to be honest I tried to <laughs> cook for myself to save some money Nice. I, I ended up hating my cooking. Chef that, Aaron. That's, a, that's <laughs> another story. I actually, there was this bakery in Ottawa. I'm trying to remember the name. Vegan Bakery. I think I think you bought muffins during yeah. our CBL ones from them. Something with, I think it starts with, I think there's like strawberry or something. I, I can't remember the name of it. But when I, when I do, I'll let you guys know. You're letting the vegan les- listeners down, Aaron. I know, I know. <laughs> Strawberry blonde, uh, blonde bakery. There we go. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. I like that. And wait, was oh yeah. So I, I didn't actually live near Argen. I actually, uh, I lived. Uh, where what's it? I can't actually remember. It's it's in. Do you not know where you live? <laughs> I live right next, 
I live right that I, I live right next to the the canal, but there's oh it's called the Golden Triangle, I think. Okay. Is it called the Golden Triangle? Okay, there it's like a, it has a weird name, but uh, it sounds cool. <laughs> I would stick with Golden Triangle. Yeah, I don't know if that's the name, <laughs> but it was in downtown, it was pretty close to the canal. It was actually right next to the university. So um I just really liked like walking around um like Byward Market and nice. walking down yeah. Yeah, I would I would I would run down the canal and like run down to I think the University of Carleton. It was pretty fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Out to the answer to this. That's question. so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just quick speed round things around RGN. There's a rock climbing gym called Coyote. Oh, uh, I ooh. <laughs> Gatineau Park. You can bike there in around 25 minutes and then use their trails. Uh, it's right across the border once you enter Quebec. Other thing is there's a Kettleman's Bakery in Train Yards. Train Yards has a lot of restaurants. So look look at the area. Train Yards. I'm trying to think of other things that are pretty cool. Like you could walk to. Yeah. Yeah. So a decent amount of things. Uh, okay. The other thing before we move on from wellness is how do you stay mentally and spiritually strong during the year and there's another question how are you able to stay resilient during the year i think resilience ties into staying mentally and spiritually strong uh aaron leader of the resiliency interest group that's starting this year what do you think oh it's oh, no. awesome uh, yeah um Great question. That is a great staying resilient. So I guess you're gonna have to <laughs> some of our events to find out. There we go. <laughs> the plug. I love it. Um, yeah, resilience is a huge topic in medicine in general, and it's definitely uh, a great topic in medical school. And I think I feel like it wouldn't be fair for me to give like a one paragraph answer to that question. But I guess for, for my particular experience, uh, um, experience, how I was able to stay resilient. Well, I think I didn't, I wasn't always resilient, but I, I feel like it's, it, it, it's, I feel like it's, it's almost a mindset and it, it's kind of, you yeah. have to train your, yeah, you got to train yourself mm-hmm. to kind of change your minds i'm i feel like i'm speaking very wishy-washy and i know i am but (laughs) that's kind of what it is from my experience and it's it's being able to see things in perspective i think yeah i don't know maybe zina want you sounds like you want to talk about this yeah sure (laughs) yeah so i i learned a lot about myself over the first year of medical school in terms of resiliency and things like that and there's definitely you're gonna hit some obstacles and there's going to be challenges you'll face. But I felt like over the year, I got better and better at it with just being able to bounce back. Um, and I think that's what resiliency is all about. So for me, I would, if I was sad about something, for example, if I didn't get a position that I applied for or something like that, I would, you know, I would take the time to grieve about it, be sad about it, um, think about it and just, you know, do the, those little things just mope around a little bit, but I wouldn't let it last for too long. Like I would make sure that exactly what uh, Aaron said, like put things into perspective and realize like, Oh, well, there's a lot of other opportunities out there. And if this is not the one for me, then, then some, there's something even better out there for me. So that's the Mm -hmm. mindset that I had 
was that like, okay, if something doesn't work out the way I expected it to, it's probably for a good reason. And there's always, always opportunities coming your way. Um, so, you know, just bouncing back that way, just mindset is, is really important. I totally agree. You, Chen? Yeah, I think that's great advice, uh, Zina. And um, going back to Aaron, uh, I don't think you were wishy-washy at all. I think um, yeah. I think every time you face something, it's it's different. So you you know you sort of have to figure it out each time. But uh, I would sort mm. of separate it maybe into um, you know we we do have at the University of Ottawa sort of official resources, and the faculty is very um, very helping and supportive. And so you know we have you can always yeah. contact Student Affairs. You can always uh, we have a great program at Ottawa. Uh, I think peer to peer, peer to peer, yeah. And um, yeah. so those are more you know sort of official resources that you can always count on and they'll have um, people sort of trained in these areas, uh, not sort of, they are trained in these areas to help you. Um, and then I sort of have, you know, like a support group and uh, people that, you know, you can just text anytime, you know, mm -hmm. even if it's, you know, close to yeah. midnight and it's late and you, do, you know, you're down about something where you, <laughs> you need help. Um, and that's so, you know, it's, it's always nice to have someone there and whether it's your family or your friends and, um, it all ties in together again with, you know, maybe just taking, uh, taking a couple of hours off and doing what you like to do or go to the gym, play the violin, um, do something and not think about that, uh, for a while and then, um, uh, rest well and then sort of tackle another, tackle it from another di direction or, you know, um, like Zena said, there'll always be more opportunities that's perhaps more fitting and, uh, so just because that one wasn't for you, um, it's not the uh, not the end of the world, and there's probably uh, better ones out there for you. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, not to be repetitive, but also echoing what you guys uh, said, staying mentally and spiritually strong. Again, going back to the point I was saying about investing in yourself. Uh, like the analogy I've used with my friend uh, is like you're you're a car. You're taking a car out for a long drive, and that drive is like the further you go means the more patience you get to help. You can start really strong and just like put the tank up to the max and then just get pedal to the metal and see as far as you can go without stopping and taking care of yourself and say, maybe you do 500 kilometers, but yeah, you went really fast and helped like say 500 patients, for example. But if you stop along the way and invest in yourself and do those hobbies that we discussed that are important to you, or check in with your family and friends. Yeah, you might go slower and as you're stopping at the gas stations, but you're constantly like filling up on gas and mm -hmm. you can keep going and going. And that just means you'll be able to ultimately help more patients because you could go further, even though it was slower. But it's just a more self-sustainable way. Uh, so that's my take on it. And then the resiliency thing. I love the word resiliency in the skill. I really consider it a skill. Uh, for me, resiliency in a quote is just that, just that. There's this one of my favorite quotes. It's life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in this storm. And for me, that like Whoa. epitomizes what resilience is. It's that ability to sometimes things aren't in your control. You didn't control the weather, but you can make the most out of it and still accomplish what you want in those situations. And I think physical activity, like like we said, resilience is a skill and you need to work on it. For me, I work mm -hmm. on it through physical activity. through Because for me, exercising is 
constantly telling your mind to push through the temporary pain because you know there's a greater good on the other side and doing that day in day out going to the point of failure and pushing a bit further even when your body tells you no because i just feel like even when you experience it physically your mind gets trained through the process and then when you go to work or your relationships and so forth you can apply what you've learned that yes there might be a period of discomfort but through my experience, I've learned that discomfort equals growth. So you look at discomfort and failure differently. And I think that's true resilience. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think that was, you guys said it very well. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to add one more thing since you mentioned a quote. There's also a quote I really like. And it goes, I'll take care of me for you if you'll take care of you for me. And it's just uh, mm-hmm. the idea. I of, love like, that. Yeah. We need to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. Exactly, and, um, yeah. It's really important in medicine. Very true. You know, for your patients and just for your own well-being. So I just wanted to put that quote out there so you guys can meditate on it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. a great quotes and uh, and a great Formula One analogy by earlier by uh, Sharif as well. And the, oh, the refueling. And, yeah. 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 Back in the day when they had to refuel That's right. during the F1 races. We won't know right? about it here. We won't know. <laughs> uh, okay. So a lot of talk about wellness. I guess all the topics are kind of interrelated. Mm-hmm. But there is the intellectual side of wellness and the stress of school. So we have a Q&A question saying, what was your study schedule like? And what are like your best ways to note-take, study through the semester? Because the question asker said they don't feel prepared because of the workload that's about to come. So they're just curious what it was like and how they can stay motivated. And if we can offer advice on how to handle tons of memorization and spending time studying. I think we touched on the memorization thing in terms of why are you memorizing? Is it just for the sake of marks or is this something that will be useful for patients? Like, is it something you can quickly look up? Mm-hmm. So don't stress too much about it. But if you guys could share, like, what studying was like for you last year? Yeah. I could go ahead first. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a great question. For, for me, it actually changed. Like, uh, for, for first semester, I kind of was doing the same thing I was doing in undergrad. And I, I would like go through the material. I, I tried to teach it to myself, so to speak, and I really focus on concepts. And I tried to review it uh, very consistently, but I very mm-hmm. fast, I very fast, I realized that it was eating up so much of my time. And like, yeah. I, I don't think it was such a practical solution or strategy. And what I switched to doing is, I don't know if you guys heard about this before, but there, there is um, something called Anki cards. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, MD22s has produced a pretty fantastic deck. That's right, yeah. And they're very useful. Sophie. Yeah, Sophie. And uh, mm-hmm. I think they're actually coming out with, someone's coming out with a foundations deck. But you, you guys should keep an ear out for that because uh, basically what it is, if you're not familiar with it, they're kind of like cue cards, but they're space, uh, space repetition. So you'll see the cue cards and you might see it later. But anyways, I felt like that saved me a lot of time and it, made my studying a, a bit more straightforward um so what what did uh you how do you handle it yeah i think um it's it's a tricky question because i think we're lucky at ottawa here that most of our days are sort of only half days and uh you do have a lot of freedom for that second half of the day and so you 
obviously it's very important to plan ahead of time. You know, if you're going to do an elective where you're going to focus on studying or, you know, relax. And so um, I think first thing is always to maybe stay organized and have a plan um, to how to tackle your days. And then um, for me, yeah, like Aaron said, I had sort of a evolution through first semester and second semester was very different. Um, first semester, I, I was very traditional. So I still try to take a lot of notes by hand and, you know, when I was studying and looking off the PowerPoint. And um, I also realized that uh, maybe I wasn't paying the best attention in class in person. And uh, I was, you know, sort of when I went home, I was like seeing some of the material, like it was brand new again, which isn't uh, something I'm very proud of, but um, it, it was the I truth. Was the same way. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but then uh, obviously like Aaron was saying, uh, there's lots of resources that upper year students have, have given us. And uh, um, I discovered Jeff Doe's notes and that changed my life and, uh, <laughs> yeah. as, as, as well as yeah. a lot of the other stuff in the notes package and uh, the people that have been very kind to, to provide that for us. And um, I think that that really helped um, sort of make, make my studying more efficient. I wasn't sort of regurgitating everything. I was just making little annotations that would help my studying. And then on top of what previous year students have really emphasized. And, uh, and then on top of that, I think you guys will probably meet your uh, med buddies all soon. And that's always a great resource for um, perhaps, uh, you know, what are some focus points uh, and how to, uh, how to study and how they, how they tackled certain topics. So um, that's what I would say about studying. And I'm curious to hear about Zina and Sharif. Yeah, I could go first. So I agree. Also, my study habits did change a lot throughout the year um, from what I was doing in undergrad to now. And it's still changing, to be honest. I'm still learning what the best way for me to learn is. So it's still changing. But what I did find as well is that I back in undergrad, I would take a lot of notes. So I was mm -hmm. studying that way. I was able to write everything down. But it's just not practical in medical school. I, I would end up spending like four hours on a one hour lecture. Um, so it just took up too much time. So I had to, what I started to do is instead of writing notes, I would just simply go through the PowerPoint and like read it through quickly on the day of the lecture. Like I would just read it after class and then I would do it again the next day and then the next day. And so mm -hmm. by the end of the week, I've seen all the lectures at least twice. And then I would try to do them. I would then do it again the next week. I would go through the all of the last week's lectures and then you end up getting quicker at it because you've already seen the material a couple of times by then. So it was really hard for me to drop the whole note taking thing of course I do write some things here and there, but um, I found that this method works just like the constant review is really important. I found and um, to get the, the concepts. And then I started doing Anki as well. I find that it's a good way to get a lot of, of details just memorized. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat up a lot of details just through doing Anki flashcards. Yeah. And uh, that definitely helps like fill in the gaps. And then again, I would also praise Jeff Doe's notes. They're <laughs> really, really good just to For like sure. yeah. see yeah. everything uh, all like all together and be able to conceptualize like how things relate to each other. It's really nice the way he, he lays out his uh, notes. It's kind of like a mind map. Um, so looking at those before midterm or exam really helped me put everything together and consolidate that information. Mm hmm. 
I feel like you guys discussed everything important. The one uh, piece of uh, advice that I want to give, and I know I discussed this at the wellness panel, was uh, trust yourself. Just because the people around you are doing it a specific way, don't feel like you need to change the way you studied. You clearly did well in undergrad to get here, so you do know how to study. So don't feel pressured to start a different way. The one thing that I've noticed is I don't have the attention span to sit down for four hours straight of lecture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I personally, uh, I'm not saying skip class. I just know that this is what works for me and everyone's different that uh, I go through it on my own time. So I'll listen to the recordings yeah. and space it out. And I'll even sometimes study the PowerPoint without hearing first. So I'll go through the PowerPoint and actually study it and then listen to the pow- to the uh, presentation and that will consolidate my learning mm-hmm. and then That's come the idea. exam I just yeah. open up a blank word document and then we'll be on the topic of like for example the presentation title will be heart failure and I will just write down everything I know about heart failure and when there are things that I specifically and then I'll look back at it and see what I missed and then go through my notes and know what to study but The other thing that I found is like when I'm biking or working out for the topics that I'm really interested in, for example, heart failure and when you're on unit one doing cardiology, I'm so interested in uh, sports, sports medicine and sport physiology of how the heart adapts to exercise and stuff. So I even listen to medical podcasts about that and they'll always use terms that are like still associated with heart failure. So it helps consolidate it in a more interesting way. So Mm -hmm. figure out what works for you. No pressure to do something just because the people around you are doing it. But uh, the one thing I will say is I'm a last-minute studier. But undergrad last-minute studying meant two days before. There is a lot of content in medicine. Because think about it. One exam for everything you're learning. So it's basically like getting tested on five courses at the same time. So... uh, for me, last minute studying means two weeks in advance. So just keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, There's a lot of content, but still manageable. Everyone does it. So can you. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching gears, how can I find out about medical specialties, especially during COVID? I know there's a American medical student podcast called Undifferentiated. Uh, well, this podcast, <laughs> we do host, we do host, <laughs> guests from different specialties from time to time uh and then what do you guys suggest i I already put our plug in (laughs) yeah there's also uh we've got lots of interest groups at u of ottawa i think we're the medical school with the most interest groups actually yeah we have 43 this year wow yeah yeah so that's amazing we have interest groups for pretty much every specialty you can think of and those interest groups do a really good job of giving you some exposure to the different specialties through talks and uh, through workshops and any other events or activities that they plan. So I would say um, just checking out the, those events that they plan and um, that's a good way to see how it's like, but I know during COVID it's pretty tough. We aren't able to do in-person electives for the time being. So I would say interest groups is a good way to to look at it. Yeah. And uh, just adding to that with interest groups is they've adapted to COVID during their applications. Mm -hmm. So for sure this year, they're going to be 
offering online sessions and workshops. So keep an eye out for that. An option that will be given is uh, an email will be sent to you asking if you want to be on a master list and that way you will get emails from every single interest group. I guess this yeah. ties into that first point we were saying of like being overwhelmed by too many <laughs> opportunities. Mm -hmm. So you can start that way if you absolutely have no clue what you want to do in medicine, but take it step by step. Don't try to pick a specific specialty. The what my peers told me was figure out first like whether you want to do medicine or surgery and then start breaking that apart. Or some people say figure out what kind of lifestyle you want for yourself and then look for specialties that have that lifestyle. Everyone has different priorities, whether that be mm -hmm. specialty or their career or their quality of life. So that's my tips. The other thing is talking to upper years and seeing what yeah, opportunities sure. they've done. Talking to residents and seeing what their day-to-day -day is because everyone wants to do like a like open heart surgery, but how often does that actually happen. Mm -hmm. So for example, for me, I'm interested in orthopedic surgery and I'm like thinking of like, Oh, like MVC, like big trauma case, but talking to orthopedic surgeons and residents, they're like, Oh, that doesn't happen that frequently. Our bread and butter cases is like, for example, this like, uh, arthroplasty, like, uh, hip replacements and so forth. So communicating, uh, talking to these people and making these connections is a big thing. And I guess that ties into one of the questions too. Uh, yeah. Where is it? What are what your are thoughts your about mentorship? And sorry, uh, go ahead. No. Yeah, I was just going to read out the questions. What are your thoughts about mentorship in medical school? If there's a doctor who we admire and want to emulate, what are some best practices of how to initiate a relationship? That's a good question. I think so. Do you, do you guys have mentors that you've made, and maybe you can discuss how you like connected with them? Yeah, I, I did have somewhat of a mentor uh, that I met towards the end of our first year before we went into lockdown. But uh, I basically I met her through it was through an interest group event. It was called Doctor Mom which was an awesome okay. event. Oh, I guess yeah. you check it out every year. They, they do that. So those are just physicians who are also mothers and they talk about their experience, um, just balancing the two roles. Um, so I met her, I initially saw her there. She gave a really good speech. I talked to her at the end of the um, event and just introduced myself and uh, just talked about that presentation that day. And then later on, I wanted to try doing an elective with her so I was able to, it was, I only got to go once and it was before we went to lockdown, but it was really nice. Um, just, I just basically sent out an email to her saying, I really appreciated the talk that she gave the other day and I wanted to do an elective. And most doctors are really welcoming and open to having students come shadow them. Um, and they're really receptive to like giving advice and stuff. So I think if you ever um, want to reach out to someone, don't feel scared to, just go for it, introduce yourself. And um, most people are really nice and you can get a lot of different opportunities through there. And once you, for example, once you start shadowing them, then you can ask them if you can do research with them, if you're interested in their research and um, one thing just leads to the next. So yeah, that's how I kind of found mentors. So far. I love it. You Chen, <laughs> uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I echo a lot of the things that, um, 
as Zina has said. And uh, I think we're very lucky again at Ottawa that we have a huge pool of very talented and very nice um, physicians and health professionals. And uh, I think even sometimes um, maybe Sharif uh, knows the, um, lots of residents are are, um, are willing to mentor and tell you about their day as well. Because, you know, Absolutely. at the end of the day, the residency is our next logical step. So maybe that's even more urgent to learn about than a physician's day sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, I think for me, just like what Zina said, I think um, uh, through my first year, maybe perhaps starting with uh, um, an interest group talk where um, doing an elective with a person and then really interacting with them and asking them some questions is, is a good way to start um, a professional relationship that way. Um, and then, uh, yeah, of course, if you're interested uh, in more of their work and more of their research, uh, it's, it's good to... Um, good to contact them more about. But uh, even sometimes I think at the end of our lectures, um, all our lectures sort of um, put in a plug for their department um, and shadowing them and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, or if you, if you want to um, reach out to them after. So it's, I think it's, um, it's very easy to, uh, to get started um, that way. But uh, I would say also don't stress yourself out with finding a mentor or anything like that, or, um, you know, it's, uh, it has to come sort of naturally and uh, you'll know when you, when you, when you, uh, when you meet someone and when you find a, a, um, a field of medicine that you're really interested in and, uh, it'll just it'll work out that way. So, uh, nothing to stress about. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good point that you trend making like this. I don't think you should be having, like, I don't think it's useful to have this at the forefront of your, your mind all the time. Right. It's like, if it ha it's gonna happen, right? You just gotta let it happen. Like I guess mm -hmm. for me, I just like saw an email for a mentorship opportunity, and I just kind of signed up. And there's a bunch of I think opportunities like that. So I guess just keep an eye out, right? And it's if if something's interesting, something that interest uh, interests you, then you should reach out. And I guess the communication here or the mentorship it starts with the question. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just being super open, I think. Uh, one, of, one of the greatest mentors I made was when I was shadowing a family med doctor. And we were just talking at the end of the evening clinic. And he was telling me, he was talking, we were talking about fitness and exercise and then injuries that we've both had. Then I was like, oh, I really want to like specialize and do this and focus on this. And he's a family med doctor. And I was talking to him about orthopedic surgery. But he actually mentioned how he had a colleague that did orthopedic uh, surgery and was doing exactly what my interest was. Uh, and uh, he connected me with that individual. And I still, me and that family med doctor uh, are in contact. And he he's a great person to talk to because he's been through everything. Another mentorship opportunity is the vertical mentorship program yeah. where you're paired with second years, third years, fourth years and two physicians that oversee everything. So for example, my vertical mentor sits on the committee that selects uh, residents for her specific program. And uh, she was telling me just kind of advice of what to focus on, like being genuine, uh, being someone that they want to be around when they're on call and such. And that was very useful. Other mentorship opportunities came to me from just bumping into a resident uh, at the gym and talking to the, them about it and them mentioning that, oh, you should come shadow me, talk to this doctor and it will be a cool opportunity if you're interested. So as long as you're open and 
outgoing, you will come across opportunities more often than you think. It's not as hard. And honestly, I can't emphasize this enough. Once you're in medical student, once you're in medicine, like a medical student, it, there's this sudden shift in terms of residents, doctors, they almost consider you as a future peer and coworker and want to help you the best they can because they were in your shoes. And also they know that one day they'll be working with you. You'll hear professors, you'll hear your lecturers at the end of their talk say, please contact me and come see what the surgery is like. Uh, and they genuinely mean it. And it's so different from undergrad. And uh, mm -hmm. so they really want to help. So you never lose anything from asking what's the worst that can happen. They say, no, at least you tried. And I don't think I've ever heard of someone saying, mm -hmm. yeah. no, I won't go grab coffee with you. Mm. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny you said that because we, we just had a lecture today on the, the prof at the end. One of the slides, I think, was uh, if you're interested in research, yeah. contact me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say many of the professors and many of the faculty are very friendly. And CBL is always um, a great, your CBL tutor is always a great mm -hmm. uh, resource. Oh, this. yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, if you don't want to, uh, you know, ask during a lecture for, for something, it's always a little easier to reach out more personal, more personally to your CBL tutor or PSD tutor. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because that person knows you small group, like group of exactly, eight yeah. or something. And over the course of sometimes a couple of weeks as well, there's more of a long-term um, relationship. Exactly. Exactly. And very useful for when you want, like when you want to get a uh, reference letter down the line is that you've made that mentorship thing, but don't look at it as an opportunity just to get a uh, reference letter. I think, I think it's a very, very valuable thing talking to someone who's been through the process you're going through upper. You can almost use upper years as mentors too. the amount of people that are just one year older than me that I look to for advice because it's so fresh in their head. The, the uh, experience, I think that's a very valuable mentorship. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. 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 So I think we can move on to our final question that we got from the Q&A forum. And that was, what was the most helpful thing you got involved with that helped you with, that helped you in your career so far? <laughs> I read that and I'm like, I still have no career, but I know what they mean. I know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Reese makes a good point there. <laughs> um, well, in your medical training, I guess. What's the most helpful thing that you've been involved with? So I, I guess there are different ways of looking at that question. I guess if you're talking about the most helpful thing to further my career, I would say I haven't thought about that enough. And I, I don't think I've really done much in that regard. I think, um, but I think the most helpful thing that I feel like the most, I feel like the most meaningful thing I would say is just, you know, pick, picking the picking the things, though, you have all these, as we were mentioning before, you have all these opportunities, and it, it's picking the ones that you're just interested in, and you have a passion towards. So for, mm -hmm. for example, um, uh, one, one of the things I've been doing for a while, I've been involved in this group called uh, Stem Cell Club, right? And the idea is to 
get more people on the bone marrow registries and because okay yeah there's not there's not enough people on it so it's just continuing with that and i guess it's just continuing with your passions i, I think i don't i don't think i answered the question but i'm going to pass it on <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, i think it's great Aaron. yeah never give yourself enough credit Aaron. i don't think so but thanks guys <laughs> I guess maybe to answer the question would be uh, to have a support system like uh, like the rest of my team here. <laughs> <laughs> you- yeah, I think uh, helping with my career or I guess my training so far good connections with my friends and leaning on my support systems when I needed it so that I could stay on top of my game as much as I could. Um, that I could be productive and study well, but I'm still figuring out things. And I think most of us are in the same boat and we're just still figuring everything out. But I think just maintaining relationships is really important while you're doing all of this crazy stuff. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Echoing that, echoing that, like for me, the most helpful thing I've done is stopping for gas along the way. I might be going slower, But like, I'm loving it. I, I see some people around me, even though it's only second year, we didn't even start residency. I see people that look tired around exams. And uh, I, I, I was like that in points in my undergrad and maybe at the beginning of last year, but I've just stopping for gas and like investing in myself. I just have those moments where I know I'm doing well because I wake up or like moments when I'm studying and I'm like, I love this. I can't believe I'm in medical school. As long as you keep reflecting and feel that way, I think you're moving in the right direction. And another really helpful thing was going back to the last question we discussed was having a mentor because that's opened so many doors to me in terms of opportunities and building a bond where someone that has connections is invested in seeing me succeed and that opens a lot of doors and I feel so much more comfortable having someone with experience go with me on this journey. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very well said, Sharif. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I think that wraps it up for all our uh, questions and Q&As from, uh, from our, our colleagues. And uh, so thank you again to everyone that submitted questions uh we love seeing them and if you have more i'm sure you could uh um, send them to us uh through our uh, social media or if you see us run run into us during a week or something like that we'd always love to answer more questions and help you thoughts and comments on this week's show by going on our social media our facebook our instagram or our twitter you can always find our podcast on spotify apple or any podcast retrieval service of your choice make sure to subscribe so you're kept up to date with new content lastly although we are real medical students this podcast is meant purely for entertainment purposes and should not be interpreted as medical advice nor do the views and opinions expressed on the show represent those of our faculty and university. If you do have medical concerns, please see your physician. And thank you again. And-
see you next time.